forever. 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 Welcome to Your Inner Child is an Idiot, the podcast where we revisit things from your childhood and crush any lingering hopes you had that they were any good. I'm DJ. Over here's Damon. Hi, how are you? Good, Damon. How are you? I'm good. How was your holiday? The was. Are you talking about July Fourth, Independence Day? We haven't done a show in a while. It's actually Bastille Day today. A bonjour. (laughs) Are you excited about your trip coming up? I I ask naturally. He asked without prompting from me. (laughs) Twenty seconds ago, Uh, I am very excited. Where are you going? Going to to Monaco. Ooh, uh, Princess Grace. Monaco, Monaco. uh, Careful on those curves. South of France. Um, Yeah. I'm going to play some music over there, and uh, in order to do that, we did not stockpile any episodes. So, <laughs> Despite our efforts to be like, we're really going to work hard. We definitely talked about it. Yeah, definitely um, texted, if gonna, not talked out loud. We're going to try something new. Uh, Monsieur Damon is going to be Ooh, here. practicing. Not, he's not going on a trip that I know of. Uh, no. Uh, I do all my gambling in Tunica. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to have uh, a guest host uh, for at least one episode. We'll see what else happens. But uh, <laughs> See how she works out. If she doesn't, fucking kick her to the curb. Well, I just mean, uh, you know, we'll see how uh, the schedule goes, you know? Yeah. The rating. How the ratings are. With, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I think they're going to be through the roof. So uh, maybe you'll have a new co-host from here from henceforth. Yeah, maybe it'll just work out and we just sort of phase you out. Yeah, like you'll be like that girl on Family Matters who went upstairs at the end of season two and she never, never reappeared again. <laughs> That'll be you. Wow. Bye, DJ. Have fun in Monaco. Enjoy. Six years later, we're like winning the podcast Emmys. Me and LT, you're writing me out of this podcast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be really fun. Uh, you guys are have been friends longer than you and I have been friends. So, so take and, that. Uh, so in fact, the rapport might be even better. I I believe it will. Um, so that's going to be, you should say your name. Her name is Laura. Yes. I thought I said, (laughs) I don't think you did. Yeah. Yeah. I probably said LT. She's going to come on. We're going to talk about, uh, the same shit we talk about. Yeah. It'll be, it's the same show. You're not going to miss just a different person. It's the same format of the show. So look forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, today we're going to talk about the Sandlot. Yeah. Sandlot. The movie, movie about your favorite thing. Sports. Organized children. Yes, with child actors. I just like had a shudder of fear down my spine, <laughs> realizing what I might be in for right now. Children acting and lots of baseball. And if memory serves, a loose plot. Oh, if well, any. Yeah. I don't. Isn't it like vignettes if memory serves? I guess I don't remember. Mm. I don't remember an overall plot other than. There's a new, like the main character, I guess, is the, he's like the new kid in town. His last name is Smalls. I couldn't tell you his first name. Mostly I only know that because you're killing me, Smalls. Yeah, right. Richard Smalls. And he (laughs) comes and he uh, befriends these kids. The Sandlot Nine, they call themselves. Is that true? No, I don't think so. I just made it up on the spot. You made it sound like a court case. (laughs) They killed a woman. Miscarriage of justice, (laughs) that was. Uh, Do you have any memories of this? What is the you? I... (laughs) 
what is, is you? What say you? Yeah. Um, Have at thee. It's more of a general, like, I remember the parts of the movie, and I remember, like, You're Killing Me Smalls was a thing everybody said in forever, like, uh, mm-hmm. the, there was a few lines. Of the mallow line. instructions, the yeah, s'more instructions. Yeah, how to make a s'more. Uh, but, you know, I had, uh, there were so many, we've talked about this in the uh, Rookie of the Year podcast, there were several baseball movies that came came out around the same yeah. time. There was this one, there was Rookie of the Year, there was Angels in the Outfield, there was... Uh, um, what was the other one? Oh, Little Big League. Uh, there's probably some Little other ones Big here. League. Yeah, that's the one where uh, the kid becomes the manager. Of oh, the, the Minnesota, Twins. Minnesota Twins. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I get oh, this is one I definitely didn't confuse this with the other ones, but I, I confused maybe my like love for it. Like I definitely liked this movie, right? But I don't. I remember, remember liking this one the best for some reason. Yeah, and then well, it's this also piece. Sta- it's a period piece yeah. that helps it. I also remember distinctly being excited as a kid that at the end, the big reveal is that James Earl Jones owns the big dog. And I remember being as a kid being really excited and none of my classmates were because no one knew who the fuck James Earl Jones was. Right. And I probably as a kid was like, uh, the voice of CNN. Excuse me. Uh, but he did this after, uh, Field of Dreams though, right? Yeah, I mean, right? When's Field of, Field of Dreams? Like, 88 yeah. or 89? Yeah, definitely. When, when did this movie come out? It was like 90. Like mid-90s or maybe early like 90s. Um, we can check on that. Greg, check on that. We have the... There's a dog. There's a big dog, right? So yeah. So he's the owner of the dog, right? So they, like, lose the... Right. At the, he, but it's only revealed at the end that it's James Earl Jones, even though his, right. his name is in the fucking credits at the beginning. I definitely remember that, like... I can relate to like any time of baseball or a ball of any kind, wiffle ball, whatever, went over the neighbor's fence and it was like, well, we have to just stop playing now. Yeah. <laughs> My fear is, I think with this movie, that it's going to be the baseball Christmas story where there's just these little pieces of a story mm. that are just sort of built on memories of being a kid and it's just yeah. going to sort of feel really forced and precocious. Yeah. And that's my fear of this movie. Did you ever like play no not a sport? Yeah. Or well, like, of course I mean as an American like I was forced to right. play play ball as they say. It's an industry term. Uh, <laughs> with my ch- my schoolyard chums that we all got along so well because mm-hmm. we were both very like heteronormative and very all very butch and mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, so got along with them really well. And, you right. know, I was a good sportsman. There were no had, problems at all. Had good hand-eye coordination and had a normal body type. It wasn't <laughs> just a meat tube. So I, I have many memories of tossing the old cat skin around with pops. And, uh, you know, the crack of the bat and the cheer in the stands, the smell of funnel cake. I don't fucking have any good memories of sports. I'm so mad about sports. I have, well, in many You know how some people have a resentment towards the church? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I have towards organized sports. Also the church. And also the church. It's like a two-front war I got going yeah. on. Well, see, I had a very, like, I guess in most ways, I had a very, like, heteronormative... Uh, a butch mask thing well, going on. I, I'm, I wouldn't Super say those are butch. accurate descriptions of me, but it was very, like, you know, I played baseball, I love baseball, I still love baseball, um, and I wasn't 
good. I've never been super athletic. I wasn't necessarily right. good at it. I was okay at some aspects of it, but I did always like it. Um, but there are elements of it that were annoying. Like you'd always have like the dickhead kids, you know, that would like be kind of bullies, whether, however that manifested itself, would it be yeah. like, you know, yelling at you when you did something bad or like, you know, being like, Oh, you know, let's hit DJ last because he's the worst or, you know what I mean? Something like the people that. People who are like, really invested in a game being played for no bragging rights during a gym class right. at two 30 in the yeah. afternoon at a school in Ohio. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so like this, there was a lot of that in this movie that like brings out, like, I think that he did a good job from my memory of showing those kind of people. Cause at first they seem very like the, the, the new kid comes in the, and the Sandlot nine, <laughs> <laughs> Sandlot. We call them the Sandies. Uh, they're come on, like, Sandies. They're kind of they're mean, except for the one tall kid. Yeah, the one who looks kid. like five years older yeah. than everyone else. Although guessing by puberty, he's probably like six months older than everyone right. else. Yeah, but he's the only one that's nice to them, and that the, right. like the way the rest of them behave. And eventually, they you know accept him, and they're all friends. But like, it reminded me a little bit too much of like those guys, and like yeah. And I think that's why I always thought of this movie as like the mean one, as the and kind of the mean movie of the right. I do mask. remember maybe the the kid isn't very good, I guess, of, at baseball at the beginning, and right. that feeling of like being in a game that you're not good at. Although my feeling, I think in the movie he plays willingly; no one forces him to do right. it. But well, he let, me he being like forced baseball. to do it. Yeah, I'm just like that feeling of being made fun of for something you didn't even want to do in the first place. Right. Yeah. It's just like, I'm stuck here. This is my own personal hell. And everyone is making fun of me and being angry at me for failing our team that all hates each other. There's no teamwork between us. Uh, it's the, one of the worst feelings in the world. So I might crawl into the fetal position while watching this movie. It's amazing now, like how visceral, like I'm not even watching the movie and you are actually crying. But I, it's like it's a really visceral feeling at 34 years. Like you can still feel that like yeah. embarrassment and your face getting hot and you know that. I have a thing. vision of have, being forced to play volleyball. Yeah. Uh, in in PE and uh, there was a guy, one of those bullies that was like really invested in the volleyball yeah. game, uh, and he would just make every time it was my turn to serve. It was just like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, he wouldn't curse because the coach was right there. Right. Or knowing coaches, he probably did curse and no one gave a shit because he was a normal boy. And no one minds when the normal boy breaks all the rules. (laughs) We had the same. Anyway, (laughs) I remember he was was just like just haranguing me about my serve technique or whatever. And it was probably the first time I ever played volleyball in my life. Right. Uh, And I remember... The second time I went up to serve, he was like right in front of me, and the you know he had the aisles of volley when you played with a whole class. He was right in front of me uh, in position, and I served, but I served too low, and I hit him right on the back of the head. Ooh. And he turned around, and I just went, I just like I was literally that internet meme shrug. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, whoops, whoops, a day. And he was mad, and everyone laughed at him, and it was one of my better moments in gym class. It was like that would be the end of my sitcom episode if. <laughs> If, if that was Credits a thing. roll. We and had, then they would have stills of earlier in the show. Yeah. I was like uh, maybe ninth or 10th grade or something like that. And we had like a summer gym. Like a, you could take gym in the summertime if you oh, wanted to not take can it. Can I? It was actually great because then you didn't have to like take it during the school year when Ooh. you would like sweat and then have to shower amongst uh, teens. Um, so anyway, we hit, it was one of those guys, Doug. 
uh, that was on. Uh, we were playing the guy volleyball. from Nickelodeon. He was a real dick off stage. We were t- <laughs> we were playing volleyball, and he like went to so to to set up the scenario. Like the volleyball net was. We were outside, like on blacktop. Which yeah, good job, coach. And uh, <laughs> uh, the net was like in like uh, old tires, you know, like I don't know if oh, you ever yeah, saw that yeah. and then like concrete, they were mm-hmm. like in it, but they could tip over. And so oh, of he went to spike onto like this, like skinny, like redheaded, like popular chick who was just like, whatever. Like right. she was just kind of one of those kind of, uh, that was her attitude at the time. And he goes to like spike on her, which first of all, like chill out, Doug, <laughs> and, uh, Doug, Doug, take it down or not. He hits the net when he does that. And it like the pole, like the, pole that's holding up the net like falls on her face wow that is they call that a king spike <laughs> and, and, and uh and she was like bleeding she, oh, was, she ended up being mm-hmm. fine but she was like you know gushing blood at the time and it was just like i'm just imagining like, the talented mr ripley just her head splitting open like two pretty Law. much it's what it seemed like at the time oh. it like wasn't as bad but at the time we were all just like jesus doug <laughs> He's probably traumatized. He probably goes. He probably, he probably when he closes his eyes, that's all he can see. This is. It seemed like one of those moments where it was like, I'm sure that's like. I mean, I never saw him apologize or seem like he was cats up on the counter <laughs> or seem like he was uh, like sad and least. But you know, maybe he was. But it was definitely one of those where like everybody's like, "This is why you gotta chill the fuck out." No. Yeah, like just be cool, man. Yeah. Uh, we've also got There's no talent scouts here at Beaverton High. Where did the, you go? Eh, it's close enough. Yeah. In the stands, which are also don't exist. Right. Um, but there's a Wendy Pfeffer corn in this, right? That is, I think, maybe the, the hot, the, possibly the only woman aside from the mother of the kid, who, if memory serves, is Karen Allen from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh. So there you go. Okay. Um, so yeah, squints, is that the kid with glasses, right? Uh, yep, maybe. Um, so he, everyone's got nicknames in this movie, if memory, but don't he like pretends to drown so she'll save him and then, yeah. And that I'm sure that's going to be really not dated at all and won't make us uncomfortable about, you know, forcing your kiss on the lady, but then she's totally into it at the end of, well, I guess it worked out. Women love it. So next time, pretend you're drowning. Then when she's giving you CPR to try and earnestly save your life, force yourself upon her, and eventually you'll win her over. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me. Sounds like how people act. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we're going to watch The Sandlot. It's on uh, Amazon? Netflix? Netflix. It's on Netflix. Okay, it's on Netflix right now as of uh, July 14th. Where good streaming videos are sold. So watch it along with us. Uh, We'll be back in just a little bit, and we're going to talk about a movie. And we are back. Yes. We have watched The Sandlot. Yep. We've drunk some wine. We, by we, of course, I'm using the royal Royal we, we. meaning me. I had two sips. Ooh. Which was... Party time. About more than I want. (laughs) I wanted no sips. Yeah. Uh, We watched The Sandlot, uh, 1993's The Sandlot. Seminal classic. Um... Let's get into it. So, 
it's not so much a, uh, I guess it is a movie to recap. There are some events that happen, but it is very uh, uh, much a like slice of life. There is a plot, but it's like, it's heavy on the end. It's a bottom heavy movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get things really get moving in the third act. Oh yeah, definitely the last third when we get into the biggest pickle. Oh, of their lives. Yeah. Well, we set up with uh, um, a little bit of cheesy music that... This movie is full of it. Yeah. Aside from like uh, the actual movie they called from the 60s, Yeah, it's the soundtrack is just cheese-mo. It's really bad. Like when they're when they're in full flashback and they're doing like it's just sixties music, so it's fine. It's just sure. it's it's era appropriate, it makes sense. And then the score stuff, there's some cheesy stuff. Um but any sort of interesting pianos music they did was really cheesy, but I yeah. guess it's just when it was made. But um Um and then we get the announcement from this is very heavily narrated at the beginning. And they almost <sighs> Almost completely drop it in the second act. It's like it's there, but only every once in a while. It's kind. Of, it's very much like a Christmas story, and kind of like My Girl too, where it startles you because they abandon narration yeah. for such long stretches that you're like, "Oh right, I keep forgetting that this." Movie Why were we narration. doing? Why were we? And it almost Sorry. could be cut out completely. Yeah. Um, and then, he, but he, he, several times, I think it's at least three times, he says, "And that's when I." Got us in the biggest pickle that we'd ever and seen he, in our and life. And the guy who narrates is both the writer and director. So, is he the actor too? That I'm not sure if he's the actor that plays. The beginning starts with an older man walking like, yeah. through. You know, the I don't know what you call it, but as a gay man, I'll call it backstage at a baseball stadium <laughs> and um, walking through all the wigs and the hats. Right. Uh, and it, it, we find out he walks into his office and he, he's the, again, announcer, box office announcer for the Los Angeles Dodgemos. He's the master of ceremonies for the <laughs> evening. I'm the MC here at Dodgemo Stadium. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our California baseballers take the stage and a one and a two and a three, four, five baseball. <laughs> and that, you, that and the uh, you recounting your hetero youth are my two favorite things that have happened in this episode. Um, we get uh, some credits and we get uh, uh, Dennis Leary's name on. Uh, <laughs> he which, gets his own credit you're while the rest ex- of the kids are just like crowded into the screen. You're always excited to see because it looks like penis. <laughs> When you see it written out, because only one N in Dennis Leary. And that D, based on the kerning and font choice, Dennis Le- Oh, I see. Oh, no, I see. yeah, I see. sure. Not Dick Leary. Not just Wang Leary. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you actually were right, because they are the, uh, once uh, Smalls joins up with them, our main character, Scotty Smalls, uh, joins up with the other characters, they are the Sandlot 9. So they're the Sandlot 8 when we first meet them. Oh, but- okay. But no, no one in the movie calls them the Sandlot 9. No, 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 no. They're uh, actually called the West Memphis Three. <laughs> <laughs> it's really crazy. Yeah. Uh, so the baseball announcer starts narrating mm-hmm. the story, and then we cut to 1962. Yeah. Uh, when he's a kid, and he's just moved to uh, California. Yeah. Valley Vista, although oh, that's never said out loud, but that's okay. said on the side of the pool. Gotcha. Valley Vista, California. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so Smalls is uh, new, and he. Um, uh, it's kind of a bookish 
kid. He's yeah. a little bit. Uh, I identified with him. Except he's an for inside his, boy. His interest in baseball, yes. I was very uh, connected with him. Although I, it's weird how that manifests because I mean I'm not saying it's impossible or even unrealistic because everybody is different. But uh, he really likes baseball. Really wants to play baseball. Doesn't is know that, a thing about baseball. Is that only because he knows that his stepdad, Penis Leary, penis is Leary. interested in it? Uh, Possibly abusive Penis Leary. Yeah, very Just smile, Dennis. Just smile. If you could have gotten a chuckle or a smirk, yeah. just smile. It was like, it was. I think what they meant for it to be is just that like he was an intimidating figure and they were both sort of getting used to each other. Like right. uh, Scotty and his, and I his, think if they had gotten like an actually not anything against Dennis Leary, but if they had gotten like an actually like not accomplished warm. actor yeah. who could have pulled off that, that layer, but because it's Dennis Leary and he has this sort of, uh, Brooklyn Dick. Right. Kind of, yeah. But also like his, his onstage persona as a, a standup yeah. is just so aggressive. Right. That it's like, why? No, yeah. no. And he's 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 not smiling, and he's not warm, and it just comes off as like, do you beat your wife? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, there was never. I mean, it was never actually any evidence of that. Right. But it no, was of just, course. It but it's just like every time someone talks to his character, it's just like, oh god, don't bother him. Well, he's working right now. Just leave him alone. Yeah, it was a little. He just wants to rough. unwind after his day. Just leave him alone. Um, but. Uh, Smalls sneaks into the Sandlot, which is the base, little uh, ratty baseball field where the boys play, and uh, he kind of just sneaks in in the back near the out, outfield fence just to watch them play. Right, and there, I guess, eight kids play these yeah. sort of just ragtag, ragamuffin group of yeah. young preteens hmm. play, and we sort of see them in just sort of an establishing shot early in the film. Yeah. Where they're just playing on their own, and then we cut to Smalls like moving in with his family, and then later on, and right before this scene, he says, "I followed them one day, and you <laughs> made a good point that I didn't catch, which was like, followed who? We're like, what are you what, talking about? How did you follow them? You don't even know that they exist. As far we've never seen you in a scene yeah, together. It was I've, a very odd transition. It's possible they just cut a scene. It wasn't really important, but it was. It was, it was a little when weird. you pointed it out. I was like, oh yeah, we we've seen scenes with all these characters. Yeah. but we've never seen them interact. And because I've seen the movie before, you know who they're going to be talking right. about. But you're just kind of like, what? And because I looked at my ticket before I walked into the theater, I know that there will be a lot made Full primarily of, sand. of right. sand. Yeah. So he joins them at the sand at the uh, it, uh, eponymous sandlot. Yes, and the titular uh, sandlot. He sort of just creeps in and just hangs out in the outfield. No one really takes any notice of him. He's not like involved in the game in any way. But then uh, someone hits a ball out there, mm-hmm. and they see him. They're like, "Throw it back! Throw it back!" And he throws it, and he throws like you know, like a girl, like a girl who can't throw at least. Yeah. Right, so, yeah. because women participate in sports all the time, so it's yeah. you know, it's a sexist thing to say. And uh, Sandlot Nine. So they laugh. They and we get our first dose of really uh, bad kid laughing, kid um, laugh, kid acting in general, but kid laughing. <sighs> they, it's like they're literally saying "ha period ha period ha period." Yeah, um, like they're sarcastically laughing via text message. <laughs> And uh, so the the uh, other boys just make fun of him. They call him an L seven weenie. We get our first uh, squintism, I guess. Right. And while I was researching this film, there's a T shirt you can get with that printed on it. Oh. But I don't know what L seven weenie means. Why not L seven square? No, well, I got that. 
It's, it, I don't know. But an L and a 7 don't make a penis, is what I'm getting at. Eventually, uh, um, we had a little, a couple more scenes of... Uh, um, well, eventually, I mean, it, but Benny helps him out. Benny yeah. the Jet Rodriguez, who's the the tall kid who really accepts uh, Smalls into the group and and like kind of helps the other guys accept him as well. And he, he and we sort of learn that he sort of not forces that they all like baseball, but he's the one who sort of keeps them on task. Yeah, like he wants to practice where they're all sort of just goofing off. To he them, should be a in game. a league, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Um, instead of just forcing his friends yeah. to throw the ball around. And so he plays like yeah all the other positions he like it's basically the whole team against him when they're right. playing and then um he has a uh, smalls just hold up his glove because he can't catch the ball so he has him just hold up his glove and then Benny just hits it right into it and then they're like oh he's all right yeah um we also learned that smalls uh smalls uh interrupts what's his name Hamilton yeah they call, but they him, call ham. him ham yeah he's fat is what we're getting at but he's doing an impression of uh, Babe Ruth, and yeah. he says, "I'm the great Bambino," and he's like, "Who's that?" Yeah, uh, and they all like, "You don't know the, the great Sultan Bambino, of the Sultan of Swat, King the of Crash. Terror of Towns," and <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, uh, Crash or the Crabs. King of Monsters. Yes, uh, and uh, he's like, "Oh yeah, no, I know who that is." He doesn't know who that is. Foreshadowing. I don't think it has anything to do with the rest of the show. No. It'll never come in and just play again. Um, he even get- writes, and this is a great Damon moment. We see him like going to bed that night, and he's written down on a pad stuff to remember about baseball. The great bullet Bambino. point: yeah. the great Bambino? Question mark. <laughs> it was good. It was un- be a, unfortunately the only time, only appearance of the list in right. the movie but. but it also proves that he might be a sociopath like <laughs> right. he's like how do i ingratiate myself by mimicking their actions <laughs> right don't go to my uh stepfather who loves baseball and ask him right because he might destroy us all um, <laughs> right ham he might be on the drink again at some point in the game ham hits the ball over the fence and then uh, the kind of the rest of the group just kind of oh bummer they're, they're throwing gotta... their gloves at him and slapping him playfully but then, uh um, Smalls, Smalls just says, oh, I'll just go get it. And he starts running towards the fence. And then we get uh, actually pretty funny moment where Squint starts the, no! <laughs> and they all get to kid out for a second. And they pull him no off and the scream. fence. And, and then uh, we learn about the beast. We get a camp out. Camp out. Yeah. Um, and they kind of tell him a story. Well, first we get a S'mores instructional manual from Ham, uh, which is Where very we learn the term Graham. Yeah. And we learn the term Mallow. Yeah. Good, it's a good term. Which is the name of my alt country band, Graham Mallow. Hi, everyone. I'm Graham Mallow. That's pretty good, actually. Thank you. Yeah. You should think about doing that. And I'm here to play my song, Tin Cans on a Speaker. Uh, washboards are the only way to wash, it's called. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a camp out where uh, we get the Beast Origin story. Um, told by Squint, your favorite of the child actors. I think, and, um, I, I, just to interrupt, I think the yeah. child actor, actors are pretty good throughout this movie, but Squint is the worst. He starts out fine and like gets progressively like more obnoxious as it goes on, and it's just like, just say it like a human says it. Just say it like you would say it to your friends. Yeah. Culminating at the end where it's like, listen to me! <laughs> This is very important. <laughs> uh, I was like, no, no one's ever said that that way. Uh, I have some comments that I'll hold till later. Just, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. 
We call that a teaser. A little teaser. <laughs> uh, so we get the Beast origin story, which is done in the in the style of a flashback. It's kind of actually like a combination of a, like a, the flashbacks in a Christmas story or the fantasy sequences in a Christmas story. Sure. And drunk history where <laughs> Squints yeah. is narrating and occasionally the, the characters within will like mouth exactly the words, what he's but saying. It, it's still most famously ending with the dog has to be kept under Myrtle's house forever. Yeah. So the deal with the dog, there's a, they call the beast. It's a, it was a junkyard dog that was trained to be fierce and it got too fierce and it ate people. He fed him whole sides him. of uh, beef. Yeah. And so it has to be locked up in that, in that backyard forever. Mm-hmm. And ever, 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 ever. Uh, then we get. Um, That's one of those lines that like sticks in your brain, and then you like have this great moment with like someone at a party or something, right. Where you realize that everyone remembers that line, right? Forever. Forever. It is very. It's done very. Uh, the actor who does it to match the kid's voice really is funny. pretty great. Yeah. Um. We get our first uh, uh, sighting of Wendy Peppercorn. Oh. Um, the only woman, aside from Karen Allen's mom of Scotty Smalls, yeah, the only woman in this movie to have a line. Yeah, and true. Uh, she doesn't make it out too well. She's more the target of harassment than anything else. Yeah, uh, and so then general acquiescence to her harasser. Right, just uh, as a cherry on top. Uh, like a, a Stockholm seven-year-old kind of situation. Oh. So first uh, uh, encounter with her that we have. We ogle her. We ogle her on the street. Squints and yeah, yeah are trying to get a new baseball, I think, or something. And they run into uh, Wendy on the street, and it's just kind of one of those boom, like stop everything. There my baby. Yeah. And so yeah. Squints is just he's just taken, and uh, mm-hmm. um, and then they finally catch back up with the guys at the same lot and uh they're like what took you so long and then we get a good line which is ah squints with pervert on a dish <laughs> which Just, i should work into my it's pretty it's pretty clever uh, my dialogue play. more often um and then it's too hot to play baseball that day so what do we do pool blah. Whatever they said. I think we decided pool it was honeys. pool honeys. Pool honeys. They but go it's to the just pool. Because it's a bunch of fucking kid actors that are like Pools Yeah. I'm surprised we got camp out when they all say camp out. True. I'm surprised that. we got pool yeah. out of that thing. So they go to the pool and they're hanging out at the pool and just kind of ogling all the uh, beauties that are there, including Wendy Peppercorn, who's the lifeguard, who I do want to give them some credit on her name is this perfect amount of like specificity for a suburban girl name. Yes. Wendy yeah. Peppercorn. Uh, we also get ham in that scene. This is one of the things I do remember is he's like strutting yeah. down the side of the pool and waving to all the ladies. And he's just like, Hey, hi, I remember you. Yeah. And then he, like, blows a kiss at them, and then he uh, does a cannonball, and because he's so fat, because he's so rotund, sure, he takes on more calories than he burns, a huge wave comes over, yeah, gets all those ladies wet. Yeah. Not that you're thinking, though. Just the wave. Oh, oh, oh I see. I see Not I see. in a sexual wetness, but just generally. Um, so, and then we get the... So confident fat guy is what I'm getting at. With the CPR harassment, uh, <sighs> bit where, um, Squints just can't take it anymore. Wendy Peppercorn is just too 
uh, attractive. She's too sexy. And when you think about that, even, it's it's bothersome because all she's doing is putting suntan lotion. And he's just like, he takes it as an aggressive act against him. Yeah. I just can't take it anymore. Year after year, I have to watch her putting on lotion and oil and lotion and oil. I'm like, all right, dude, it's not about you. Yeah. <laughs> she's just protecting herself against, you know. She's a lifeguard. UV rays. Yeah. She's sitting on a fucking stoop all day. Also, it's the 60s, so it's probably just butter she's putting on. (laughs) Right, exactly. She's going to get skin cancer, just face facts. So he jumps in the pool, even though he can't swim into the deep deep end. And for some reason, she kind of immediately, Wendy Peppercorn kind of immediately knows. Well, Well, the the kids kind of cause a fuss, yeah. Yeah. So she goes and dives after him, pulls him out of the pool, and starts... Doing uh, like a mouth to mouth resuscitation on yeah. even though this is all a ruse. So I find it a little weird. I mean, it's, for the story, it doesn't really matter, but it's like if he was faking, did he just hold his breath? Is that the same? Like, would if you would you not know if you were a lifeguard that uh, there is a cut scene where his lungs actually explode from the extra air she keeps shoving into his lungs? <laughs> oh, so okay. I'm glad they didn't do the like chest pumps because you know you're looking at a cracked sternum. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's Your xiphoid process would break off. Yeah. Um, so he is faking, and he he looks s- to, to smiles his, yeah. to the Sandlot Nine, the Sandies. Yeah, and he gives him old old. I'm gonna sexually harass this woman, yeah. and they're like, oh. And then he, you know, when she comes back to give him mouth to mouth, he puts his arms around her head, forcing her onto his face. Uh, then she pushes him away, screams, you little pervert, her only line. Yeah. And uh, he laughs, and then she forces him out of the pool, bans him for life. But then on his way out, on the other side of the fence, he looks at her, and he waves, and she seductively takes off her glasses, has a little smirk on her face, and she, like, waves back. Mm-hmm. And that's how you know a movie knows how to write women. Strong female characters. Where they're like, being assaulted by guys, but you know they kind of really want it. That's how you know they really Uh, write women well. Okay, so... Uh, Sandlot. And so let's leave that unpleasantness behind. Well, okay, I have one more thing on this. Okay, great. Because when I was... Because I really didn't want to leave it behind. When I was... uh, When I originally saw this, when I was young, I thought... That he really was like in trouble, like drowning, unable to breathe until you see him smile. Right. Like he wakes up. I mean, I think that's what the movie intends. Is that true? Yeah, I think so. So he, he, his purpose was just to drown and then she saves him. Oh, you think like he had actually taken on water yeah. even after you knew that it was No, 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 like like he was okay, let's say he jumps in. I don't know what his plan was other than he needed to be recovered by His Wendy plan was to fake drowning so that she will recover him and then he can kiss her. Right. Which I mean, now, he's a kid. It's well, not like a, a yeah, an yeah, ironclad plan. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I see it now. That's what that seems pretty clear, but what right. I thought when I was younger when I watched it is that he I don't know like irrespective of his plan, he jumps in he actually takes on water in his mm-hmm. lungs. She rescues him, you know, does mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. And that's why and, it works and his lungs don't explode. Right. It works and he recovers, uh-huh. but he's already with it when he recovers and smiles at everybody and then takes that moment to, like, kiss her. Oh, I didn't I, didn't I think maybe I was just, like, sort of justifying how creepy it was in my head as I was like, well, maybe he was. It started. He was. But then he's creepy. like, I'm in this prime opportunity. Yeah. And I almost died, so it gives me a little moral leeway here. Right. Yeah. yeah. I get a little bit of 
No, it's not how that works. Okay. So um, we moved to the night game on the 4th of July, uh, which, because it's the only time of year that they can play a night game because the fireworks are lighting up the sky. The only benefit to Not how fireworks work. But <laughs> right. the only benefit of this scene is Ray Charles playing "Oh, Beautiful" for spacious yeah, guys. Is a good version. Wait, who is it? I said it's a good version. Oh, I thought you said yeah. something about a virgin. Ray Charles is a virgin. Wow. Yeah, mm. he's a brave person. Yeah, was um, he died of virginity? The next scene at the Sandlot, we get uh, the uh, um, to the tune of uh, Green Onion. The uh, um, the real little leaguers show up in their nice crisp crisp uniforms, and we get a, a good line that uh, some people would say to me, which is, uh, "Shut your mouth, Phillips." <laughs> um, but they just kind of come and sort of jaw at each other for a while, and then we get the. Uh, this um, seems like a weird scene, though. No, right? We get the, yeah, it is kind of weird. It just shows that there's, I guess, a rival in town. Another, they're like real legit little leaguers, and they want they're like anytime, any place, but not here. At this right, field. exactly. Anytime, any place in the entire world, except for this small lot. Yeah. In this town, I was a little confused, and maybe this is a little bit of my little middle class privilege coming out, but. Part of me wanted to say to Rodriguez, like, and although I, I guess I shouldn't say that because none of these people are portrayed as being poor in the no, it seems kind of middle middle class. Um, but I was like, Rodriguez, why didn't you just join a little, little league? Yeah. You we know, you're really so get... regimented and you want practice and all this stuff. It's like, why don't you join a little league? Yeah. Aside from these are your friends and they just want to sort of hang out. And I guess that's sort of the understood thing. But I guess I could have used just like one line of explicitly like, those guys are assholes or something like that. Yeah. Where or we can't afford it. Or right. Yeah. Something like that. But I mean, people join little leagues all the time. It's not like yeah. it's this huge barrier to cross. Yeah. You know, but they couldn't. I mean, they we're could... only like, you know the president's son is on a little league team. Yeah, it is a little, I guess when you think about it, it's kind of strange, but, um, so those guys show up, they just kind of jaw at each other for, we get ham saying, you play ball like a girl, which is the worst of all time. That did. I think that was the one moment where it really did feel like a little bit like a Christmas story where I was like, it seemed like this really, Oh yeah, kids kind of sometimes say this. Oh, what if it's the worst thing that you can possibly say? Whereas I feel like all the insulting things, which are like you mix your Wheaties with your mom's toe jam, yeah. even though they were stupid and silly, like they were a little more insulting than you play ball like a girl. Yeah, where it was yeah. I don't know. I didn't, but it wasn't horrible. But I was just like, all right, guys, come on. Do we want to do a second draft of this scene? Or <laughs> no, is, no, no, is that no. it? Absolutely not. Um, so then we do get uh, a game where they, they play the the uh, uniformed little leaguers on the big, nice baseball diamond. Um, I got to say, it's a nice diamond. It's very nice. And uh, we get some really good catcher bounter, banter from, uh, <laughs> from Ham. From Ham. That, that was good. He, he's actually really funny in that scene. Um, and uh, they kick their ass. The Sandlot Nine, the Sandys, they they kick some ass. They they beat the crap out of them. Sandy. So they. Go, That's what John Travolta would say if he was watching them play. They go to celebrate uh, at the local fair. Oh, yeah. Carnival, and they carnival. Have some, they go to Rio to celebrate carnival. They get my favorite combo, which is tobacco and tilt a whirl. <laughs> They get some chewing tobacco, and of course they throw it up everywhere, and it looks very baked beanie. Yeah, very orange, very bright, yeah, yeah, like a burnt sienna. 
pretty gross. Um, not, I mean, I guess it was just kind of a slice of life scene. I'm not really sure what the point of that. It wasn't really a narrative point. It was just kind of like a, uh, yeah, I mean, silly. a lot of this is slice of life. It's just sort of these non sequiturs until we get to the, the real meat of the matter, which is the beast. We get another baseball game where the guys are just playing at the same lot and, uh, Benny, Hits the ball so hard, he knocks the cover right off of it. Oh, yeah. Busts the guts out of that ball. So they've got to get a new ball, and they don't have any money. But Smalls knows where he can find one. Now, wait a minute. You know, now that you say this, this scene is probably, I don't know, like in the top three pickles of, I've ever seen on, on, on in a is, film? This is the biggest pickle of them all, I'd say. Really? Yes. You'd go so far as to say this I'd is go, the biggest pickle you've ever seen. Uh, that I've the ever biggest seen. pickle. The biggest pickle that You are I, saying right now that this is the biggest pickle. I can only speak for myself. <laughs> and I've never seen a bigger pickle. So, definitely top five. But biggest, I mean, that's saying a lot. Penis Leary and Marion from <laughs> Indiana Jones have left town for a, a couple of days or a day or something. And well, she's not out of town, but Penis Leary is. Oh, He's okay. going out to work on business. Out of town on business, and Marion Ravenwood from Raiders of the Lost Ark is taking him out. Yeah. Also in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Mm, I don't know I what you're I don't about. recall. That must be from an alternate universe I'm not a part of. That's from the darkest uh, <laughs> timeline. I don't know what you're referring to. Um, but uh, she takes him, but she's still there. That's why they have to have the, the dope ball, the, the oh, fake okay, gotcha. ball. So they, uh, Smalls goes in and steals. I dated the, a guy with a fake ball as well. Autographed. It's called a nudicle, and it's <laughs> very it's useful. Um, I think it seems like a real a thing. Nudicle. It's so that you don't. Anyway, a he nudicle? takes the. Uh, uh, she turned my ball into a nudicle. Baseball from Penis Larry's lounge, which is <laughs> again, and then okay, go ahead. And it is signed by Babe Ruth, which we learn later. But he uh, Smalls doesn't realize the sort of sheer value even though he knows it's wrong to even take he knows ball. it's wrong he knows it's on fucking display yeah later marion ravenwood says now you know he doesn't like you to touch his things which yeah. i took to mean like he's gonna beat us both right because he's penis leery and so but despite all that smalls steals the babe ruth autograph ball and they uh start playing with it he brings it to to the sand lot and like all right let's play i got the and none of the guys know what's up, but they're like, hey, you brought the ball. You get to hit first. And he hits his first ever home run, but that means he loses the ball right, over the, the face beast. of the beast. And he starts freaking out. And they're like, what's the big deal? We'll just play tomorrow. We'll get a new ball. Right. And they're like, and he's like, no, you don't understand. And then he says who it was signed by, some lady named Babe Ruth. And they're like, oh, shit. Because he doesn't know who Babe Ruth and is. And then he finally, the, when Makes Ham the says, the great Bambino, he puts together, he's like, oh, my God. That's the same guy, same ball, same same guy who signed my ball. Um, and then uh, they buy a uh, a fake ball. They sign it just to serve as a decoy. And while he's placing it in the thing, uh, Marion Ravenwood comes by. Yeah, and um, she says, "Oh, you know, he doesn't like you to touch his things." Which is this Foreboding. is my favorite of uh, the. The character, the actor who plays Small, Scotty Smalls, in this, this is his best scene in my opinion, where he's, oh, he's acting great. nervous and he's like, "Oh, I, do, I, I don't know anything about it. Why would you? I don't know. What, I don't know anything." You know, I, I think he did. No, I don't think he did. Tell me yeah. about that ball. It was a very good scene, and yeah. he, was, he was very good in it, and and I liked it also, even though it, it's sexist because I thought it was a funny line. Is that you know she's like it was signed by Babe Ruth, you know the great Bambino. And he's like, oh, even my mom knows who right, yeah. Babe Ruth is. 
Uh, and he plays it really well. And we get a very uh, Three Stooges series of uh, ways, Wiley Coyote-ish ways. That very Wiley Coyote-ish, yeah. The boys try to get the baseball back. And, uh, my no favorite, need to go through them all. Do I don't you? need to go through them all, but my favorite one is they use a, s- a series of vacuums to try to suck up the ball, and, and yeah. uh, the beast uh, clamps down on the on the vacuum tube, and so it, it, the vacuums explode, and all the boys get out except for Tommy or what? No. It's either Tommy or Timmy, the older one. Yeah, and so he comes down from the treehouse, and he's just covered in dirt, yeah, uh, dust from the vacuums, and he says, and he shakes his he he he's covered in this yellowish dirt, and he shakes his hair, and the dirt all comes out, and he says. Uh, We've been going about this all wrong. <laughs> I blame just so myself. fucking world weary. <laughs> he says, I blame myself. Uh, and so... Um, they have an erector set that they try and use. They well, have... This is where I was gonna, going to... Oh. Uh, well, I was just going to say, this is what I was thinking of before when we were talking about the actor that plays Squint, the the kid with glasses. Is, uh, I think in this series, he has a lot of like ups and downs. Because when he has to say... like normal lines like we should get the baseball and he like <laughs> can't just speak but when he's being the lookout like his his whole thing is he's watching through these like home this homemade like Wheaties box uh um periscope periscope thing yeah. which is really funny and every time he like he's like all right you got it it's pretty funny like he he's got a good like like casual delivery yeah when he speaks kind of normally like how a kid and he's like yeah you got it but then he'll have to immediately in the next scene give it and a line delivery and it's really inconsistent it's almost as if he's a child who hasn't quite perfected his craft yet. <laughs> i guess i mean we have nine kids who are the main cast here and some of them barely have any lines yeah and some of them have a lot of lines and squints is one of the ones that's in the he's top heavy lifter you know he's yeah. in the top four of having lines and I just don't think he should. Yeah, I mean the character is. I'd there. be fine yeah. if he was like the one who said the sixth most lines. Okay. I would be fine with that. But he says probably the fourth most lines, and it's just like get out of here. Whereas you've got like the the Tommy or what? You've got kid. tall kid. You got black kid. Right. You got this kid. You got the slightly shorter kid who kind of looks like this kid. Yeah. I mean, there's so many other kids to pick from. That's true. I guess they just wanted to. Wait, maybe they were even worse. They did try to have them do it, and it was like... Oof. They couldn't even speak English. It yeah. was all in Esperanto. Useful language. Wow. Yeah. Thanks. You know, William Shatner uh, starred in the only movie that's been made that was entirely in Esperanto. For some reason, I did know that. <laughs> that's weird that we both <laughs> know that. Um, then we get a WTF dream uh, from oh, Benny. This Benny is ha- the worst scene of the film. Benny Can we a- agree on that? Yeah, it's definitely tied, at least, for the worst film. With what? Well, anything that features the narrator. And the rest of the film. It's tied with the rest of the film. Uh, towards the end, with the narr- the guy who plays the narrator like taking over, it gets pretty gross. It gets pretty bad. I guess I guess because that's so short and has it's just sort of like a a catharsis moment that I don't yeah. really register as like. Denouement. But this is like supposed to be like a sort of emotional, yeah. have some emotional heft, and it's one completely unnecessary. Like we already know the stakes, yeah. we already know that Basically, you know Benny's a good friend to Scotty Smalls. Sorry, Babe, go ahead. Babe Ruth comes to visit. Benny in a dream. That's what we're talking about. This scene, right? He comes uh, and he. He just he says all these just sort of platitudes about what it means to be a hero, and some people don't take you know advantage of situations when they come along, and real heroes do. And 
uh, what does he say? Risk injury to get this ball back. Right. And he, and the, the weird thing is, is like, part of me wanted to be like, babe, do you know what this is all about? And he's like, yeah, there's yeah. a ball on the other side of a fence with a dog by it. <laughs> Real heroes do that. I'm like, oh, okay, so this is just stupid then? Yeah. It's just a very weird ham-fisted scene where we try and work in this actor doing a Babe Ruth impression to make this have, like, real stakes. Like, all of a sudden, like, have this weird Field of Dreams moment where this famous baseballer comes back from the dead to try and get a baseball he signed back from a dog? Like, who gives a shit? (laughs) So, the, the... Long and short of it is, uh, Benny is going to put on his PF flyers and just hop the fence, grab the ball, and then run away. Jump back over the After fence. all these fucking Wiley Coyote things, we've dropped a kid like via a system of pulleys. Yeah. We've gotten an erector set robot to go and try Catapult. and get the ball. Yeah. We've tried to use a suction from vacuums. And there was one other I can't remember. Yeah. And the, the plan yeah. is, we're just going to throw the fastest kid we got, and he's just going to grab the ball. Right. So he gets it. Thanks, Babe Ruth. He actually You're a gets, fucking genius. Gets the ball, but when he jumps back over the fence, the, the beast, beast is pissed. He jumps over the fence also and starts chasing Benny all around town. Um, do you think that's why he's named Benny? Because it's a very like Benny Hill kind of. I thought someone was just an Elton John fan and a time traveler, so they knew that ten years into the future yeah. from the movie, he's going to be a great he would song. Have a Benny and the Jets. Love that song. Yeah. So. Yeah, but uh, the Beast chases Benny all around town. They run through the Founder's Day thing. A cake falls. It's uh, a very stupid thing. It's very and then silly. They get back. Uh, Benny jumps back over the fence eventually. Gets For back to reason. the same lot. And then the Beast... Well, he jumps. jumps back into the beast's yard. Right. He runs through the sandlot into the beast's yard. And then and the, the beast, beast like, busts through the fence. And then the fence falls on him. And he's like stuck. And Scotty Smalls, our hero, yeah. ostensibly, uh says, oh, he's really hurt, guys. Help me up. And the Sandlot cowards, I'll call them. Yeah, the Sandlot They back away. Yeah, but Benny, you know, being a good person, being a Christ-like figure, he helps lift the fence off of the the dog. And the dog, like, gets up. And then we have this weird scene. And this happens a lot, I think, in older movies. I know in, like, more recent films when they have a dog actor and they need him to look angry, they'll sometimes, like, CGI his tail so it's not wagging. Right, And, yeah. like, change, like, certain things. Or, like, they won't actually have film together so they, the dog's, right, like, so angry Right, so the dog will else. look angry. Yeah. But this time it's just a bull mastiff or a English mastiff just across from Scotty panting. Smalls. And he's, like, panting and he looks completely friendly. Like, yeah. there's no reason why any human on Earth wouldn't just reach out and start betting that dog. But we're supposed to be, like, tense, like, oh, no, he's going to rip Scotty Small's face yeah. off and but feed on him. the sweet meats within. But no, he just licks him with his giant face-sized tongue. And then we realize, oh, he's just misunderstood. And then yeah. the dog, being a super sentient dog, like the yeah. Punky Brewster dog, is like, hey, guys, come over here. I'll show you all the balls I've also stolen. He digs them and up. he shows all the stash. And then, uh, then they go... And knock on the door because they're they're afraid that uh, the beast is going to run away. Right, the fence, the fence is, is down. Now. So they they bring the dog up to the house, and it's uh, James Earl Jones playing a some blind guy. I can't remember his character's name, but and I don't he even has know if we got his name. Uh, 
he actually played or played against uh, Babe Ruth and knew him really well and gives them a ball signed by all the 1927 Yankees, uh, which is way more valuable. He knew Ruth, and I guess I was reading in the trivia because, of course, uh, segregation was a thing. Right. Uh, He wouldn't have played with Babe Ruth. Uh, He would have had a separate league. Um, But... I guess there's a cut scene or a cut explanation, something that just didn't make the thing that Babe Ruth was known for, like, sometimes practicing with the other leagues. Ah, gotcha. Uh, But yeah, so he knew Babe Ruth, and as recompense to Scotty Smalls, he gives him a a baseball sign by the And all they have to do is come talk baseball with him once a week, which sounds pretty sweet for everybody. Um, And then, okay... uh, And then Hercules becomes the mascot of the Sandlot! Yeah, we see a shot later, and we we see this kind of weird scene where they all sort of disappear as they're playing, and he tells... The narrator tells what happens to them, and... Even though no one has anything bad happen to them, like one guy buys the drugstore in town, one kid plays on the... Well, Bertram does disappear in the 60s. Right, yeah, yeah, but I mean, they all disappear. Like It's like, Squints married Wendy Peppercorn, and they have nine kids, and then you're watching the kids, Squints, disappear. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, he didn't die. What I just realized is that Small says later that he was the last to move away, but Squints married Wendy Peppercorn and owns the drugstore in town. I guess maybe they moved back. You're right. I mean, it doesn't make sense. That doesn't make any sense. And I, one b- bought Vincent Drugs, which is where they bought all the baseballs. Yeah. So, so why would they move away? Uh, maybe they all moved, like, went to college and moved back or something. It's I weird. think there's some shoddy writing here. No, that can't be. So, uh, in the very last scene, the tag, we get uh, back to the stadium where... Right, in the modern day. Where uh, Smalls grew up to be a really bad actor, and so yeah. he's uh, <laughs> now the announcer for the Dodgers, and Benny is playing on the Dodgers. Yay! And we get this scene where Benny uh, steals home and then looks up, and he's a very uh, mustachioed veteran of baseball now and he blows a kiss to the booth and no he doesn't really but they uh they give a thumbs up or whatever a point or something and then this used to be my playground <laughs> this used to be you should watch that movie that's a good baseball that is movie. a good movie um so that's the sandlot what do you think uh so uh first off part of me wanted scotty smalls and uh benny rodriguez to end up together because just yeah so much sexual tension there was a lot and i I joke but i mean there is a lot of like this of course when any like two boys like best friends like there's also this weird especially because he's like sort of protective of scotty smalls and you're sometimes yeah scotty smalls is like hey benny He's just got this like hopeful look on his face. I'm like, you guys are in love. Come on, can't you? Can't two you two see? <laughs> um, I think in the beginning I said that I was scared that this would be a lot like the Christmas story, and in some ways it is. Yeah, but I think, and just to really piss off a lot of people, I'm gonna say that this succeeds in a lot of the ways that the a Christmas story does not. Yes. Yeah. In that this is mostly a vignette-driven story, where it's just pieces of a a summer pieced together um, with a sort of plot-heavy end. And even though there is heavy narration, which I also hate, um, by a bad actor, which I also hate, um, I think the kids in it are a lot better. Yeah. 
I feel like the observations about summer are somewhat like interesting and like a take that not that it's completely new, but doesn't seem as well trodden as a Christmas story was. So there are a few moments, like even though I didn't grow up in 1962, um, Valley Vista, California, um, (laughs) I felt like, Oh yeah, I remember summer. I remember those types of days. It's so hot. You don't even want to play baseball. Yeah. It's so hot. You don't want to play baseball. Your mom keeps telling you to go outside, but you just want to play Zelda over and over again. (laughs) Yeah. I get it. Sam. Like it was in the sixties. So, I mean, I just feel like this, it just feels a little more real to me than a Christmas story does. Not to keep bringing Christmas story into this thing. No, it's very Christmas so, it's, story is like don't bring me into this. It's a, I feel like it's it's hard not to draw parallels. Having bo- recently watched both of them, I mean they're set and they're a, they're a period film and they're set like with a very like nostalgic vibe to it. I think they're very similar movies right. in a lot of ways. And I agree with your assessment that this kind of, and it's possible just to give a little bit of defense to a Christmas story, which I did not like at all, but <laughs> that this is just more like our respective childhoods because it was a little bit later, maybe, you know, the, the, the setting, <laughs> right. You know, we were I mean? more like, connected in 1962 than we were in 1946, well, you know, not in like the sixties necessarily, but just like growing up, like being made to or playing voluntarily sports and like stuff like that. Yeah, but I mean, we had Christmases where we really wanted a specific gift and uh, you know, it didn't feel like we were necessarily going to get that yeah, gift. I, I, you're right. I, uh, Christmas story just sucks. And this no was a lot. So can face that. I think fact. you, you and I are both not fans of kid actors, but they make me really angry sometimes. And yeah. this one was Okay. I gotta be honest. Most of the like, kids, I mean, there were some like, were, patchy parts, but I mean, especially the main kid was really good. Yeah, and they were, and they were. I think they did a good job, uh, with the exception of I, Squint. There were there were some times when Squint was doing a little bit too much heavy lifting with, right. with the lines uh, for his abilities, but um, but for the most part, they spread it out. You know, like everybody had a, at least a couple of lines, and then right. there was obviously you know like uh, Ham was you know the third most or whatever. Uh, um, and so like, and, he and he's a, good too. He's funny. I like, he he's was really funny. funny. He did a great job. It and, did sometimes feel like the other like kids, like beyond Squints, anyone who had fewer lines than Squints, it just felt like the other thirteen dwarves of Bilbo Baggins' party. Right, it's right. just like, and you guys, how are you doing? Yeah. You with the blue hood and the they had a purple very, hood and the green hood. They were like kind of like a little bit given characters, you know, just because right. they had a name. Though, oh, this one is the two little of them brother. are practically the same. Where one right. repeats the lines of the other one, and then there's one called Yeah Yeah, and his shtick is he begins every line with Yeah Yeah. Right. He has a speech impediment. Did so, he? Well, nah, no, he's fine. He's fine. Um, although I was told when I was younger that I looked like. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Did I you? got that a lot. Yeah, I don't anymore because <laughs> he's skinny and I am not skinny. But <laughs> I look—I apparently looked like that. I don't know to some people. Um, and you probably got Benny Rodriguez a lot. Yeah, so. they were like, "Oh, you're so tall and handsome." Yeah, lithe. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, I don't know. Verdict? You ready for verdict? You got anything else? I think this is a fine movie. Yeah, I'm gonna say not an idiot. I think it was okay. Like, uh. I wouldn't tell you to go out and see it. I think if you were new to this movie, it wouldn't be worth it. But uh, as a little check mark on the nostalgia, you know, list there, if you want, it's on Netflix now. Yeah, go for if it. If you want, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 a lot of, to say that you're an idiot for watching it. I mean, yeah, it's it's a fine, forgettable. If I watched it today, I would forget it like the next day. 
Did you need to talk about the uh, the dog uh, the puppet dog puppetry? Puppet. <sighs> I know that was so something you for to get except off your for chest. the last part when after Benny starts getting chased by the mastiff, it's a real dog, right? But before that, in both the flashback and even in the Wiley e. Coyote hijinks that they are participating in, the dog is played by a puppet, right? And it is very reminiscent of the the Bruce Jaws puppet. Of the shark. Right. In that one, it has dead eyes. <laughs> and two, it just looks horrible. It's yeah. oh, horrible. But of course, I mean, they're trying to get a dog that is, you know, probably double the size of well, a normal dog. Well, I think that dog. was part of the, like, I mean, I wouldn't say that they were trying to make it look bad necessarily, but they were, like, they weren't necessarily concerned with... Realism? Realism. They were concerned with, like, this is what the kids imagine this dog No, I, I, I definitely got that. Yeah. I guess I was a little... The line being... <laughs> if they could do it in the flashback, I would have gotten it. But when they right. were actually, like... Sure. I feel like they just shouldn't have shown the dog until he came over the fence. Right. Well, and especially when Because even like, as a kid, I remember being like, look at that puppet. <laughs> yeah, at one point, like, so... Um, the when they use the catapult to try to throw, they have the, like an erector set catapult that they yeah. get, and they and it they try to get it like it does launch in the air, but uh, the beast catches it in the air, and when they show it, the beast is like he rises up very much like Jaws. It's like a six hundred pound dog that yeah. like jumps up, and it's very like fake, and looking. would have definitely by the way it happened, he would have definitely have swallowed that ball, right? Yeah, like yeah. his jaw, his jaws are just open. It's very much like a fish. He just rises up and then. Crests yeah. down. It was very terrible looking, but it actually didn't bother me because I, I remembered that even when I was younger, noticing that and being like, oh, okay, this is just like goofy. But right. it is the only time they do that, not in, a, in the flashback, is like if they had, like, when they show Wendy Peppercorn and she had been like hair blowing back and like just gliding or something like yeah. they had any other silly moments like that, maybe you, you would have bought it a little bit more or something like that. But yeah, but I mean, it was every like. The paws of the dog were always fake, like yeah. even when they were like looking under the fence. I don't know. It was just, it wasn't a horrible thing. It was just like, okay. It did feel a little bit like Tremors 2 or something. Like. <laughs> what do you think, everybody? Email us at your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at YICIAI. You can find us on Facebook. Just put it in the search bar. You can find us on iTunes. Please rate and review us. You can find Damon's uh, great webcomic, DrewfordComic.com. You can find uh, my music at DJPhillips.com. Um, what else? Our That's enough. Website, Your Inner Child is an idiot.com. Yeah. Uh, we're on Instagram. Mm, I'll do it. You know what? I'm going to do it. Yeah. What? I'm going to draw a picture for this, this episode. Yes. This time it's happening. It's going to be great. Um,. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you know, hit us up on any of those links and uh, or email us or whatever. And uh, speaking of like- Christmas story, we just got fan letter telling us that our review of Christmas story is wrong. That's true. Uh, Jordan emailed us. Thank you very much, Jordan. We appreciate hearing from you. And Even you are wrong. You are completely wrong. So. And I will go to my grave <laughs> saying so. Uh, but we really appreciate the feedback and uh, uh, thanks for the kind words and all that. Um, so we'd love to hear from uh, any of you. And uh, if you want to leave us a uh, review, <laughs> kind of let it go there. Just the last, the last syllables of every word. I just don't like to say. Drop them. Um, 
If you'll rate or review us on iTunes, that helps a lot so other people can discover the, the podcast and help us keep making these. So uh, we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Forever. Forever. You take them out. Remember before when you described your childhood body as a tube of meat? <laughs> <laughs>